Uh, welcome to episode 12. We're going to be talking about kind of piggybacking off of last episode. If you have not listened or watched that, then we suggest that you go check that out before you get into this one because that was about like multifamilies and uh, landlord stuff. So we're kind of going to be similar similar arena to that. We're going to be talking about leveraging what, multifamilies? Or? We're going to leverage small multifamilies Leveraging Leveraging small multifamilies for people who are interested in real estate investing. And I mean, that's the way to go. So, Well, even if, you, if it's your first time buying, I'll, I'll, I'll show you in a minute. I'll break some something down for you. All right. So we're kind of, he's got some like um, paperwork from the MLS. We're not going to obviously show it for personal reasons for other people's um, privacy. But we just, it's kind of just for, for the demo and we're going to like kind of jump right into this and he's going to start off by talking about a first time buyer and the industry due diligence type, type stuff. Okay. Well, if you're a first time buyer and you are trying to find a signal, a single family, you have to understand that you are 100% responsible for the qualifications of the mortgage process for that single family. You are fully duly responsible. So if it's a $1,500 mortgage, you're responsible for $1,500 worth of payment every month. Um, Some people can't afford that. Some people might need help with that. A small multifamily might not be your first dream house, but it might be a really good place for your first start. I'll explain in a minute, I'll break it down. And if you've always, if you already own a house and you ever considered potentially getting into owning multifamilies, I'll make your mouth drool at the end of this. It literally took me four minutes to find quick examples in our actual market today's market, even though it's crazy, these are all existing. I'll break down the numbers and I'll show you the impact. You have to understand if you're going into the multifamily market, which is basically the last episode, you have to do the industry due diligence. Being a landlord is not a piece of cake. It is a business. It is a job and it is libelous. Libelous? You need an attorney. You need to cover your butt, cover your backside, contracts, legal holding, title, all that fun stuff. You need to know the game. Um, So understand the industry, do your due diligence, buy landlord books, buy the state landlord laws, go to your local uh, city hall and pick up whatever paperwork you can get for free. But in the end, like I said, we're going to end this episode with actual examples and real numbers. And it might make you go, hmm, hmm, hmm. Like you just did. <laughs> We're talking about team in places again. Well, the building due diligence is next. Okay. And so that's just what is that? That was industry due diligence. The building due diligence is if you're a first time buyer or first time investor, oh, researching. Okay. You, you want to make sure you understand what you're getting into. You don't want to buy a crappy building, right? You don't well, want to buy too much work they can't handle. Well, you just have to be aware of what the situation is so that you can build your offer or your package accordingly. You don't want to buy a building if it's already in trouble with the city authorities. Board of Health, building department, uh, maybe there's lead paint violations and the person still lives in the building You know that brought the charges forth. Why would you want to take that over and inherit that instant liability from day one? Understand the building. Understand who's paying and who's not paying. A landlord's going to say it's the best building on the block. Yeah. Tenants are the best. They've been here for Forever. In reality, there's violations with the city. Half the tenants aren't paying. You need to do your due diligence in multiple different ways to figure all that out before you get yourself 
into the property. So do the industry, do the building. With that saying, I always, since day one, episode one, like we always say, got to have your team in place. We we'll probably say that another 50 episodes. And, and so. It is absolutely key. But I'm going to break it down a little bit different today. So I normally reference you need a good attorney. I always okay. reference you need a good real estate agent that understands the game, knows what they're doing, has been around a while. You you need your accountant involved if there's going to be tax write-offs or any kind of structure or that type of thing because certain way you take title can help with certain tax situations. And then you need, I'm going to add a new insurance. I don't normally say insurance. Homeowner's insurance is homeowner's insurance. That's new. You would normally shop that out. But when you get into the landlord and multifamily, there's commercial levels, but there's also a, a turn, uh, excuse me, insurance players that know landlording inside and out. That's their specialty. That's their niche. They're all around the country. And you really don't go to the local neighborhood that does your house and your car. Typically, a landlord insurance package is a lot different than a regular homeowner's package. And I would seek out those specific insurance players um, for the best coverage, best protections, and best rates. That is a no-brainer. So they are somebody that's new. I would always typically reference having a good attorney. I'm gonna break that down into multiple layers. You're now getting into multifamilies. It's a business within itself. So not only do you need an attorney that understands the contract law, how you get yourself into or out of trouble, how you protect yourself before you ever get in because of the way the wording of the contracts are. He has to know contracts or she has to know contracts. You absolutely have to have a landlord-tenant attorney. Some real estate contract attorneys don't get into the landlord-tenant stuff and some landlord-tenant stuff don't get into the contracts. So that may be two different attorneys. It may be one firm with multiple attorneys. That's up to you to research and find what's in your area. But they're both extremely needed in this market and you don't want to get in trouble and then try to seek somebody out. You need your team in place. Then let me qualify it by also saying the attorney could come into play. How are you going to hold title? Are you going to hold it in your own name? By putting it in your own name, you are 100% liable. It can come after your own house. It can come after your vehicles. It can come after everything, whatever you are personally connected to. You have a little landscaping business on the side. That's liable because it's all in your name. You might want to consider putting it into a trust or an LLC, limited liability corporation, or some kind of formal corporation incorporated. That's where an attorney for that business end of it comes in. That might not be the same as the landlord tenant. That might not be the same as the title and contract person. So that could be three different attorneys for three different, completely different reasons, all needed by the potential landlord. Sounds expensive too. Yeah, yes and no. Yes and no. A lot of them are very reasonable and just saving you from one lawsuit more than protect. Rather be safe than sorry. Exactly. Exactly. So just briefly, we expanded on your team when you get into landloading, when you get into multis. Did you say you wanted to dive more into, what was it, in the insurance side of things? Well, I basically did dive into the insurance. You you could have umbrella coverages. You could have, like I said, if, it, if it's under an LLC, it protects the business end of it. It separates title from you personally. So if a landlord or a contractor is on site and they get injured or something happens, they have to go through the LLC and not you personally. 
And if your structure is set up and your, your books are set up accordingly, it's hard to come around the loop to get to you personally. Insurance packages will protect a lot of that. Um, and again, a lot of regular everyday insurance carriers don't get into that kind of level of stuff. So if you seek out the right team and the right players, they will all take care of you from the get-go. I'll say again, research. <laughs> research. <laughs> due diligence. I think that's the motto of this uh, it, podcast it, it, is just it, research it's before you dive true. into something. Absolutely true. And, and those are examples of how, of how you can. Like us, we, we research or he researches before episodes if he needs to like this. He went to MLS and got some real-life examples and stuff like that. So always be doing your research. And did you want to get into the examples now? Yeah, let me let me get into the okay, examples. So let's get into the examples. He's going to kind of talk about these and give some detail. So by the you know, I don't know how you want to show these or. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to hold them up. You're not going to be able to see them from this distance. However, I may or may not put the screenshot online and just blur out all the personal information. We'll see. We'll figure that out. Like I said, it took me literally three to five minutes in our local market today, 10 minutes ago. If you are a first time buyer or you want to get into being a real estate investor, out of the, this was the fifth property I actually came across my screen. So that quick, the fifth property. This is a three family in our neighborhood. Next town over, $299,900 active list price. Three family for $300,000. Okay. Each apartment is five rooms. Each apartment is three bedrooms. They're showing on this sheet the rent as $750,900,650. As a longtime real estate appraiser, as a longtime real estate broker, as a longtime fanatic of all things real estate right off the bat for a three bedroom those numbers are astronomically low so what's going to happen here is i took two more minutes and i went through and i checked out a couple more these are recent sales that are recently rented the rents on these for two bedrooms 1350 for one apartment and 775 so maybe that one's a little bit below market maybe it's a long-term tenant family member for some reason we don't know okay but the 1350 jumps out at me then this other one is fifteen hundred dollars separate utilities a month okay and the next one is twelve hundred a month separate utilities when you start seeing twelve hundred thirteen fifty and fifteen hundred for two bedroom rents what can three bedroom rents go for or what should they go for a little more than that so my example here Let's say market rent will go to the middle range, $1,300 in an apartment. If you are a first-time home buyer, you want to occupy one of the apartments. When you go to the bank to qualify, as a single family, it's 100% on your income and credit. I now want to take six months of my life, and I want to buy a multi, and I'm going to move into the multi. You can now take... $2,600 of the projected rent and add it to your income qualifications. Things you did not know. So you now have $2,600 more to qualify at the bank. Does that give you incentive to become a landlord or to buy a two or three family at the right price instead of a single? It opens up possibilities, it opens up doors. First time home buyer, you can move in and get use FHA financing, which is 3% down. 
conventional financing, if you're going to move in, it's 5% down. So you do still need down payment money. There are creative programs federally, locally, statewide that you might be able to get some chipped off. So you do have to have credit and you do have to have a down payment. There's different techniques. Maybe there the landlord is holding the last month's rent. The landlord is choosing to sell, the current owner. You might be able to get the last month's rent assigned to you with the tenant's permission. That's cash flow. That's money in your, your hands. That's now put into your column. There's all kinds of different things. You can get gift money. You can get gift of equity. You can have friends, families, co-authors, all kinds of different things getting involved. Pretty overwhelming. Very overwhelming. But now here's the real numbers. $15,000 for a $300,000 house, 5% down. I don't know what you're going to be putting down on a single family. You're going to have to be in that ballpark. You're going to have to overbid in today's current market. But here's the fun part. Okay, so you're 5% down, you're not 20% down, which means you need PMI, private mortgage insurance. So we'll add that into our payment. 150 bucks a month, let's say. The real estate taxes on this are roughly $3,000. You're gonna need insurance, like we mentioned, it's a different animal, but let's put aside $2,500 a year for your insurance. That comes out to a payment of $1,975, $1,975 for your mortgage payment, taxes, insurance, and PMI, okay? If you want a realist, if you want a single family at that price range, that entire bill, $1,900 a month is your bill, 100% on you. As a landlord, as we just discussed, two units, at $1,300 per unit. That generates $2,600 a month in rent. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You just moved into a house for $15,000 and every month you're making $600. You're paid to live in this multifamily. It's not too shabby. First deal I looked at and I went, hmm, rents are real low on this. The rents on this don't jive with market. These are market. So by moving into your own multifamily, even if it's six months, 12 months, whatever it may be, to qualify for the homeowner occupied rates and the homeowner occupied down payment of 5%, mm -hmm. you are paid $600 a month to live there. That sounds terrible. Oh, by the way, you're not paying a landlord. You are the landlord. Oh, by the way, you have tax write-offs. Anything you now do to the building is potentially a write-off. If you generate a business, an LLC, they take care of the lawn, they take care of maintenance, they take care of certain things, that's write-offs. So if you ever want to be a landlord or you want to make that your first step and because singles aren't working, that might be an option as a second you know, thing, thing to think about. You are paid to live in a house. Not all deals are like this, I get that, but literally the fifth one that came across my screen, I went, huh, rents are super low. Couple more screens, I found market rent, Market rent generates an income. Oh, by the way, you can also get creative. What if there's a garage? So a couple of these have two or three car garages. Can't you rent those out for $50 a day per month? Oh, by the way, if there's a yard and extra parking, several multifamily, some of the neighborhoods, you can't park in the winter, up here in the winter. There's no room on the street. You got to move because the plows are coming by. Well, you can have some neighborhood cars park in your, you know, three, four hundred bucks a winter, whatever. Super income. And then if you're a first time like landlord, you actually have your own house, you have a down payment, that down payment's going to jump to 20%. 
5%, not 5%. So that does have an impact for first-time buyers, for, for investors rather. That actually lowers the amount you're borrowing. That actually lowers the mortgage amount, the number at the end, because you're putting more down up front because you're an investor. Okay, keep that in mind. But now you're not living in the property. You now have three rental units at $1,300. So in this scenario, that's, uh, what was it? $3,900 a month coming in in rent, just the basic rent. The bill will be under $1,900 a month for mortgage. That's generating, what is it? Uh, almost $23,000, $24,000 a year in profit. One house. Times up at 10 years. It's pretty good. Hold on to it for 10 years. It appreciates in value two to two and a half percent a year. You get the tax write-offs. If it has enough equity, you can cash out, refinance, and take a nice chunk of 50, 60, 80 grand, depending on the equity, tax-free. Hello, right? Sounds like a winning situation to me. So the last episode we alluded to, don't ignore landlording, don't ignore small uh, multifamily scenarios. And this is the exact reason why. So this is uh, what 35 years of real estate experience gives you. It gives you all this knowledge. And but you got to know what to look for. Right away. you got to know what to that look for. Like, Five minutes of whoa. information, live properties. These are actual addresses. Verifiable. And he just helped out someone out there. I can guarantee you Just that. open your mind. Free your mind. It doesn't even matter when you watch this. This will be, this will be relevant three this years from now. This is relevant. Like, In a down, depressed market, bank properties everywhere, this is even more so. Even yeah, more so. And there's less competition. Oh, by the way, what if you find a property that needs work? It needs a boiler. It needs a roof. It needs something. Apartment needs updating. There are programs for that, people. FHA, 3% down, you can borrow more money to renovate it, and because it's a multi, you're using the income of the rents to borrow more to renovate the building, which gives better equity. It's a catch-22. You got to have you have to understand there's there's things out there that can help. There's local programs in certain communities. There's state programs, but the FHA is a big, big, big person. FHA 203K. You can borrow more to renovate it, and you're using the rents to qualify for all of it. You can do that as an investor as well. There's private money depending on what you want to do. It's called the Burr strategy. That whole book about that. You buy, you renovate, you rent at market rents, and then you refinance, Burr. So you put your money in, down payment, you control title, you get extra cash built into the deal, you renovate the property as long as it's gonna be worth more when you're done renovating. You're done renovating, you rent it for market rent, you refinance, you get your cash and down payment back out, there's still equity in the property. A new loan comes in place. Lickety split. You have all your money back to do another deal. Building takes care of itself plus profit. That's why you want to be a small investor. It's worth the headaches of investing, looking into the, dis, uh, the, the industry, knowing the rules of the game. And there are rules of the game. You got to be careful. But that's the payoff. If I don't know anything about real estate and I listen to that these last 10 minutes, I would be could researching real estate like crazy after that and trying to figure out, oh my God, I, I got to keep looking up. Like I researched small multifamilies and see how it could help me. So there's probably going to be a lot of clips from that last 10 minutes that will be going out on various, all the social media platforms that we are on. So that's TikTok, that's Facebook, that's YouTube, that's uh, Instagram, that's not Twitter, but all, all those social media platforms, we will have segments from that probably, I'm guessing like 10 to 15 different segments just from the last 10 minutes. Those will be coming out. I'm gonna start posting the videos probably a week after I post the audio because it's a lot for me to keep up with. 
But eventually those segments will come out and those will be able to help you guys out there if you guys are serious about these small multifamily investments and just getting into the investment side of real estate in general. So that's pretty much wraps up the episode that's, though, right? That's I all mean, I wanted there, to get there's across. a lot of information that went at the the viewers, the listeners out there and you know, you might have to go back and listen or rewatch the, those last ten minutes again. Any question, reach out. Oh, it's very overwhelming. Yeah, if you have any questions, just comment or find the contact down below and comment down below if you're watching on YouTube or if you're watching this on whatever podcast. Uh, you know, Instagram or TikTok, you can comment down below if, you, if you're watching this specific segment. So there's, very, there's plenty of ways to get in contact with us. And with that, we're going to call it a close on this episode. So that'll wrap up episode 12. Thank you so much for listening and watching. We definitely think you guys got value out of this episode. I mean, I don't know how you couldn't. Uh, just a lot of information thrown your way. and be a while before you can digest all that. And, you know, when he's going on these uh, little rants, I just sit back and listen and shut my mouth and see what he has to say but it benefits me when I edit these because I get to listen to it two times again so I get to absorb it a little better and I suggest doing that so a career full of information in 20 minutes yep pretty much so give this video a thumbs up on YouTube subscribe down below by hitting that red button turn on post notifications so you're notified whenever there's a new video as soon as it's posted and like I said videos on all of our other social medias those links are in the description as well we appreciate you for listening and watching we hope you got value have a great day we'll see you in episode 13 bye